Welcome to the Buying a House in Japan podcast. My name's Take. And I'm Joey. And we're two friends who just quit our corporate jobs and bought a cheap house in rural Japan. The goal of this podcast is to document the highs and lows of the process while informing you of every step you need to take in order for you to do it yourself too. We're by no means experts and we're doing this for the first time, but we hope this gives you a realistic expectation if you embark on this journey yourself and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey all, we got another Dear Diary series episode for you today. In these Dear Diary series episodes, we talk through our raw thoughts on what's happening with us. So expect the content to be a little bit less structured and more conversational. In today's episode, we actually cover our Business Insider feature reactions talk a little about Akimart Yield, a new product we've kind of uncovered. We found that we can find cheap condos with high yields in Japan. And lastly, we give an update on our house renovation and company creation progress. Hope you enjoy the show. And we're back. Happy middle of January, Joey. Happy middle of January. What's coming up next month? Valentine's Day. Yep. Company offsite. Company offsite. Excited for that. Lots happened, I think. What an amazing two past couple of weeks it has been since our last podcast. Some big things happened. Biggest is the Business Insider article. A funny story, Joey and I were, I wake up like super early. I was like 5 a.m. California time and I was texting Joey and we're like, Joey's, whoa, we get all of a sudden got a ton of visitors. We have a ton of stuff happening. And we were both looking at Google Analytics, just like looking at the number of visitors. We're like, what is yeah. happening? Up until then, I feel like numbers, it was like maybe nine current users, around 10 every time I checked in. Woke up Monday morning last week and it was like 90. Or, and it was climbing quickly. It was like 90. Then it was like 95. Then it was like 115 kind of thing. I was like, I watched a lot of Mr. Robot. I was like, yo, is this, a, is this what a DDoS attack is? Are we getting attacked right now? I did think it was, I checked the server logs. I thought I did think it was a DDoS attack. And I'm like looking for Padlet, looking through the logs, seeing if it's like Google bot or like some kind of bot or one. And we like chat GPT, how do you identify if you're getting DDoS? You try to look for <laughs> patterns in the server data. So I'm like looking for patterns. But then we had to remember it. I was like, oh, we interviewed with Business Insider a couple of days ago. This guy named Jordan, really cool dude. He didn't let us know the article was published though. So I Googled it. I was like, oh shit, our article was published, Joey. And that's where our traffic was coming from. Yeah. So it was legit traffic from Business Insider. So good problem to have. Stressed our database a little bit. And I had some like scheduled tasks running on Akia Mart. So in the, we eventually, it was something like we were getting like 350, 400, maybe max concurrent users on the site. So I think taking a little bit of stress off the database by stopping all long running tasks helped out a little bit. But other than that, it was like kind of a good stress test for the website. I didn't yeah. see much drain other places. I think there, it did get laggy a few times and I think that's because of the strain on the database. So good to know where the, the bottlenecks are for more traffic. Congratulations, Joey. Our site has survived. I think we hit 300,000 views in the past couple of weeks, right? Yeah. And we didn't crash during that time. I think I did some schedule maintenance. I tried yep. to prioritize that for like early in the morning, but yeah, we didn't crash during that time. Congrats. We put some Google ads on our website and like Google flagged us as this is suspicious app activity and it throttled us. That sucks. That was like the best time to get ads when we were getting that many views. Yeah. And maybe we should rethink that. Yeah. I don't know if ads are the best look and I don't, I doubt we're going to make any significant cash from it, but yeah, maybe we, yeah, something to discuss. Let us know totally. if you guys like the ads, hate the ads. No one, no one loves ads. I know that, but no one are they a dis it. Yeah. Are they a yeah. distraction? Let us know if anyone finds them a, a distraction. 
Yeah. Good, good, good call out. But anyways, this is a Dear Diary series. We're going to shoot the shit a little bit, talk about what's been happening this week. Again, Business Insiders, huge one. We got 300,000 views. We have a consult button on each one of the Akiyamart listings and we got booked out. Like Joey's been going through the recruiter life is what I'm saying. We have back-to-back consults like almost every single day. I think we're booked out till February. So thank you all for your support. And I'm sorry, Joey, it's going to be a recruiter training for your time. Yeah, definitely back (laughs) meetings every 30 (laughs) minutes with 15 minute break in between kind of thing. It's rough. Hey, but we've been meeting super cool people. I think we've been meeting people from every country, every background. It's it's so cool to see that there's so much hype around this Japanese real estate kind of phenomenon right now. A worthwhile endeavor too, from like an entrepreneurial standpoint, it's good to uh, speak to customers and see what they think. Yeah. And we've been getting some hard questions on ourselves on product feature, but also what are we doing? And I think throughout these, each one of these conversations has guided us a little bit more in the right direction. I'm reading the lean startup right now, and it's all about experiments and pivots. And I think each one of these touch points with these new people, it helps us get closer to the right direction. Speaking of that, Joey, I know we are cooking up something exciting with a yield type product. On Akiyamart right now, it's strictly only single family homes or like st- detached houses. We had some questions around, what about condos? What about apartments? Joe, you want to talk a little bit about the yield side? Yeah. So again, this is coming from something I noticed at the JREP conference I went to in November that Ziv and Emil Gorgis and Tracy Northcott and uh, Anton put together. Most of the people there were investors. They were looking into investment properties in Japan. So it's been in the back of my mind for a while, like maybe this is where the uh, addressable market is at. Maybe most people, maybe actually people looking at Akia's from a vacation uh, home perspective, maybe we're in the minority. That's what me and Take were, were looking for, but potentially we're in the minority. So it would be good to have some way to surface investment opportunities in Japan too, because how, housing is affordable in Japan and some people might be looking at it from an investment perspective. So as we mentioned before, hoping like when we talked about the ads or hoping to get feedback, are they just, are they distracting? We're trying to move uh, and introduce some sort of yield product as well, um, where we can uh, showcase for now condos uh, and uh, potential returns um, that you can get from renting out those condos to a long-term uh, Japanese tenants. And uh, yeah, we're trying to figure out the best way to move that forward. So we have mm-hmm. two ideas. One would be a newsletter where you get a certain number of properties in your email each week or bi-weekly, however often we want to send it out. Is that the best way people want to ingest this content? Should we build it into Akiyamara itself where there's a, a new tab or something like that to browse yield properties on the map? So we're looking for feedback there too, if anybody has any feedback for us. Yeah. The, as we go through more of these uh, condo listings, there's like a lot of crazy good deals. If I, I think one of the big hurdles for foreign investors in Japan is if you buy a house, like who's going to maintain it? Who's going to property management manage it? With condos, that kind of is solved where a lot of these condos, you just pay the listing agent and they will do the property management for a fee. There's an HOA fee. You don't need to worry about gardening or things like that. Condos seem to be a more hands-off investment, which I might actually recommend more so to people who are doing their first property in Japan now. I think there's some incredible deals. Me and Taki were just looking at some properties in Izu, Kanagawa, that sort of coastline. 
just 30 minutes ago and wow even condo wise there's some yeah. really good deals onsen water we're looking at some great ones in sapporo fukuoka mm-hmm. and another thing which I, I think actually is probably the best selling point we forgot to mention is that uh, there's great yield numbers we're looking at things 14 15 percent is not a crazy number in Japan. I've even seen things as high as 25%. Although when it gets that high, you you do question, is this too good to be true? But I would say around the 15% yield mark is maybe what you can expect here. Jerry, is this gross yield or net yield? That's net yield. So that's after we subtract whatever these real estate listings publish as expected costs per month. So that includes maintenance fees for the building and management fees for the building. So we subtract those from expected returns for the year and we're still seeing 15%. Yeah, we saw these numbers and we see what we get, for example, in our 401k or any of our other investments. We're like, oh, is this too good to be true? So one of our goals, I think this year, Joey, correct me if I'm wrong, but we want to try to get a condo and see what it actually is. So hopefully we can be that guinea pig and make a proof of concept before telling and explaining our journey. But that's something we do have on the roadmap, investing in a condo with a high yield to see if those returns are actually legit. Yeah. And those returns, again, those returns are for long-term tenant. If you were to do something like midterm stays where you rent out your unit for, it has to be a stay of longer than 30 days to not run into conflict with the mean PACU laws, the Airbnb laws, short-term rental laws. But if you go that route, I'm sure you could get higher than what you would get with a long-term tenant. So 20% yields, probably not crazy. Yeah. Another idea we're also exploring is the midterm rental. So doing month-to-month rentals specifically for digital nomads. I think there is a market for this. Joey and I went out in Fukuoka one night and went out and partied and we met all these people who are part of some like digital nomad kind of couple months stay in Fukuoka and they were staying in these apartments and we're like, oh, there is an appetite for that, Joey. Yeah, at least in Fukuoka, there, I feel like there's even, there's like a digital nomad group or organization or something that helps people specifically in Fukuoka, I believe it was like both land jobs, find apartments, that type of thing. So definitely an appetite in Fukuoka, I'm sure. There's other similar ones in um, Tokyo, et cetera. And for these month-to-month rentals, you don't need to go through the Airbnb Minpaku process. So that is one benefit. I think it would be a little bit more intensive on the property management kind of side. You might need to pay some fees there. But it is, I think, from my understanding, Joey, we could buy an apartment, renovate it, and do month-to-month. The challenging part would be finding the tenants, which... I think we could maybe use Akiyamart to channel or use this podcast even channel to find people to stay. Yep, exactly. It's definitely the way to start renting out an apartment or house in Japan with the least amount of bureaucratic hoops to jump through. The mm-hmm. downside is that you can't leverage a platform like Airbnb to find those totally. tenants. Yeah. Let's see. The exciting development. We weren't, I don't think this was ever on our radar until we started doing this stuff. So it's really amazing to see how things have been. I don't know, Joey, I think there's been like 10 times this week I've been like, whoa, things are snowballing. Things are connecting in a weird way. Each one of our conversations have been like one after another, connecting the dots in, in a sort. Definitely feels like things are coming together. And another weird thing, so we've been, yeah, reaching, exploring these yield property type things. And I feel like a few times, I'm here in Nova Scotia, Canada right now. For oh, some geez. reason, I feel like there's a lot of people involved in Japanese real estate that are either from Nova Scotia, currently in Nova Scotia. It's got a little bit of a small world there. All right. We're doing a Nova Scotia, Japan real estate meetup at some point. 
stay tuned seems like there's a high that, concentration that would be fun. i'll fly out stay with you joey i know i've been meaning to go out there yep cool let's give a quick update on our house so we talked to our fumi the fixer it seems like unfortunately our contractor there's something kind of a family incident i think his mom got hurt and he's he has to pause, I think, on the construction of our house. We got some videos. It looks the same as what it was like a couple of weeks ago. So we originally thought our house would be done at the end of March or mid-March, but it's my bet's April now, Joey. What's your guess? Yeah, I didn't see any updates other than it looked like the floor, the subfloor in mm-hmm. the, the main living room where we have the horikotatsu, the sunken table, it looked like the subfloor had been finished. At least all the plywood nailed down. But yeah, other than that, I didn't see much movement. Mm, When's it going to be finished? (sighs) Yeah, end of April. Yep. Let's fingers crossed for end of April. So just backpedaling a little bit, we were pretty optimistic initially with our, I think the contractor first said end of January. And we're like, what? It's really fast. So similarly to, I think, anywhere you have a contractor, I I would add on a couple months to the timeframe. I think that's just what it is with renovating places. I do feel like, okay, yeah, adding on a couple months seems, yeah, like good advice. We're also curious, is he going to come back near the end and say, hey, I need, I need more money to finish the job, which also, I've never hired a contractor in North America, Take has, but that does appear to be routine. Although he gave us a very specific itemized contract that we, I don't know how many times I had to sign and initial this thing on every single page. So it definitely feels like potentially in Japan, they go through all this sort of bureaucratic contract thing. Maybe it's hard for him to do something like that because he's, he signed this contract with us type of things. I, if I had to guess, I feel like maybe contractors in Japan, yeah, they do stretch it out time-wise, but I do feel it's unlikely he's going to try to hit us up for more money. Yeah, this is my first experience with Japanese contractors. My guess it is probably less sneaky. I feel like a lot of times in the US, contractors will be like, hey, actually put in more work. It's actually going to cost this much more. I would guess culturally that won't happen. But to be fair, we did add on kind of a couple things. He might itemize those, which is That's true. That's very true. Um, After the contract was signed, we're good friends with him too. So just chatting and we're like, Oh, could we actually, now that we think of it, could we do this? So one was the insulation mm-hmm. and two was exposing beams in the ceiling. Maybe he'll come back with a, those also itemized. Yeah. Fair enough. I think the real solution here is we got to just go out for drinks with him. I feel bad. I was sick last time when we were going to go out for drinks, but let's get some beers, see how he's feeling next time we're in uh, Japan. Yep. Yeah. I like okay. him. He's a nice guy. Yeah, so it sounds like April. I'm going to Indonesia for a surf trip in early April, so probably end of April, Joey. If anyone's listening, would love to meet anyone in Tokyo or Kyushu. We're going to be hopefully scoping some properties. But April, Hanami time, Joey, good time to return. I have allergies, Kafun show, very bad. When I was (laughs) studying abroad, when I went to college in Tokyo, I remember horrendous. And that's when I learned of... The Japanese eye drops with menthol or whatever. I don't know what, oh, what so compounds good. in them. Yeah, they burn so good. Probably the not good for your eye health at all. But that was the only thing that saved me. So when I think of springtime in Japan, I have all these memories of really bad eye, itchy eyes and these menthol drops. And I still keep those menthol drops with me because sometimes I get allergies in other places around the world. And really, they've been a lifesaver. 
I don't know what they're doing to my eyes. I try not to use them all, you, only when you I need told them. Me, didn't you mention something after World War II? They planned all these trees or well, what's the reason for that? They yes. found out, yeah, yeah right. it was. I don't know the exact reasoning, but they some sort of forestry initiative in Japan after World War II and they planted uh, cedar everywhere. I think it was for to support the lumber industry. Japanese homes are built with wood, so they wanted to plant like a tree that grows fast and very straight. And I believe cedar has those properties. What uh, they didn't realize or was overlooked or not surfaced enough was that it's like something like 90% of the population has an allergy to cedar pollen. And they planted <laughs> these cedar trees everywhere in the country. So a lot of, yeah, it's just, and, and now it's, yeah, Kafun Show, it's well known in Japan. Just that time of year, the cedar pollen flies everywhere. All right, buddy, load up those eye drops because we're going back for springtime. Uh, I, sure... I bought some when I was, every time I'm in Japan, I buy eye drops. And okay, okay. in the 12 years that I was not back in Japan recently, anytime I knew a friend would go on a trip there, I asked them to buy eye drops for me, bring them back. Okay. Hopefully allergies have gotten better. I don't think that ever happens with age, but I, Bep, <laughs> Bepu is going to be sick. Springtime in Bepu, it's going to be so nice. Hot springs and cherry blossoms and cool yeah. but warm weather I, i'm i'm excited yeah i think so too it'll be very nice yep switching gears a little bit wanted to also mention that we are starting to get our shit together with regards to entity formation this is something we were putting kicking down the kicking the can down the road i'd say we were like oh, we do need to create some kind of entity again our intent with our akiar spot or bepu spot is to hopefully rent it out, whether it be medium term or Airbnb. Again, we're going to figure that out. This is a proof of concept for us. But either way, if you're getting income in Japan, to my understanding, it is highly advised that you create some kind of entity so you can pay taxes. In our situation, we're, we were debating between a KK and a GK. Those are the two kind of like equivalents of LLC or two corporate structures here in Japan. The idea is to create one of these entities to not only get a bank account, which is also a, a big reason why we're making this uh, company, but also to get revenue from the Airbnb or from the house to that company. So, Joey, we met some an expert in the KK versus GK. Went over my head, but what are your what were your takeaways from the conversation with Rob? That. There's not too much of a difference between creating a KK versus a GK. The KK is the equivalent of a corporation in America, C Corp, and the GK is the same as an LLC. So actually, that was nice. That's parallel with uh, how it works in, mm -hmm. in the United States. And also, the other thing he was, yeah, which one do you guys want to make? And it didn't seem like that the requirements were that different. I feel like mm -hmm. there were some things he was like, Oh, you need to submit if you do KK, which is the C Corp, you need to submit a document to the Japanese equivalent of the IRS, like once a year or something like that. But but he was like, we handle that for you kind of thing. So it didn't. Yeah, the main takeaway was like, both of them are easy to do. It mm. doesn't matter which one you pick. Yep. We should definitely have Rob from Shemax Legal on this podcast just to do that. He gave such a good bilingual in English. He gave such a good description of what I, I was dreading of learning about. And I think he, he simplified it quite a bit. So it was good to, I think it's good, going to be good to have him on this pod. Yeah. Especially that the services are in English and for anyone else 
out there thinking of the Airbnb ability, thinking of, of trying to go for an Airbnb in Japan, this is probably your way to get a bank account. This, this is another reason why we're doing this too. This is how you get a bank account in Japan without being a permanent resident or on a work visa or anything like this. You start a company, you get a Japanese national as your you appoint a Japanese national as a director of your company, and then that director goes to the Japanese bank and tries to uh, open a bank account for you. Seems to be the, the way to do it. It's not hard at all for a foreigner without any type of residency in Japan to open a company. The real challenge is getting the bank account open, and that's why you have to jump through these hoops here. And uh, yeah, it seems like Rob, Rob doesn't do the banking stuff, but he explained it very well to us. Yeah. And we actually had a follow-up conversation with an accountant and we were posing the question KK versus GK. He advised us to go for the KK, which is a little bit more of an old school structure. But he did mention that from a Japanese societal perception, the KK is like a more legit corporation type company. And when applying for a bank, that's a, a big, it has, a, the GK has a little bit of a stigma as like, I forgot, he gave a kind of a historical context, but it was like not as highly seen as the KK. And even though they are a similar function, he said, when applying for a bank, this could give us a slight edge. And he also mentioned if we ever do want to get outside investors and things like that. So we were convinced on the KK, even though it costs a little bit more to do and also is a little bit more rigid in structure, I think. Again, do your own research. One funny thing too, he also mentioned is we want to seem as Japanese as we can when applying to a bank account. So the KK is going to help, but also it helps, honestly, that I'm, my name is Japanese. Trojan horse, Joey. They're not going to know. I think they'll know I'm foreigner, but I think their guards will be let down a little bit with my Japanese name. We were discussing KK names, and it's funny. Joey, what did we land on? Yeah, again, for perception reasons, a Japanese-sounding name is going to be the best. It's all about perception, it seems like, when you're trying to open this bank account. So... Takamori, Takamori, High Trees is the name that was written on the house that we bought in Beppu. That was the, na the last name of the previous owner, Takamori. So we're just going to go with Takamori Kabushiki Gaisha, which is, means K. So Takamori K is going to be the name. It's funny, when we were trying to get our Amazon packages, Joey would change his last name to Takamori just because that's what was like written on our house to try to get it. It worked. Uh, yeah, Joseph Takamori is how we'd introduce him to the neighborhood. Sometime delivery man. Hey, yes, I'm Joseph Takamori. So that's going to be our company, Takamori KK. Yep. What's even funnier, Joey, is when I searched up Takamori just to go online, I found this one image. So Joey and I in Beppu, we like love this one tonkatsu spot, which is a deep fried pork cutlet. It was about like a 10 minute walk from us. I'd say it's called Tonkatsu Yamamoto Loin. It's the best, my favorite restaurant in Beppu. We'd walk down like every day pay about 10 bucks for a, a bomb pork cutlet but in this shop it's like such a minimal shop it, it's got gray walls and it's got one painting the painting is this like one painting of this general and we were always like what who is this guy and then we eventually after we'd started making a relationship with the old lady who works there we're like hey who's that painting of and she had mentioned this name i didn't remember it at all when we started thinking about company names, I Googled Takamori and the first Google image search was that exact image. It is, what's his name? Saigo. Saigo Takamori, who is supposed to be like, a, let's see, Saigo Takamori is one of, was Japan's last samurai and nobleman. That's <laughs> what it said. He was oh, one of the most the... influential. Yeah. He was one of the last great nobles samurai. who led the Meiji restoration. That... Is that the Tom Cruise character? 
it could it could be i don't know but i i like the story and i think it all weirdly connected that it's crazy that our name takamori from our house is that same image that came up i would not have been able to remember what that lady said that guy's name was nor find that image but here we are i we got to use that as our our mascot i'm look i'm on the wikipedia right now this is very joe rogan pull up the last samurai pull it up jamie the film's plot was inspired by the 1877 Satsuma Rebellion led by Saigo Takamori. Hey, Tom Cruise, Last Samurai. <laughs> Maybe we got to rewatch that movie. I don't even remember any of it. Going on the Japanese perception kind of thing. I, I say when we do get interviewed by the bank, they're like, why'd you name it Takamori? We'd be like, we love Saigo Takamori. He was, he's our hero. I think that's going to gain us brownie points with the bank auditor or whatever. But the characters are di- the kanji is different. We're using different kanji. He's at Saigo Takamori has different don't, kanji. Don't for, don't uh, maybe well, let's, let's we can talk about that. But okay, okay. I, I think it's still a good story. And one last point, actually, before I forget, is the person we met after we met an accountant. We were originally going to incorporate our KK down in Beppu, but he gave us advice of maybe considering Tokyo if we were doing maybe more than one property and i think our intent now joey has transformed into maybe we're looking at more properties across japan he highly recommended tokyo to get the bank he said that's just where it's at so if, if you are looking to buy multiple properties in japan and airbnb and not just be located in one spot it is advisable maybe to look at getting a address service in tokyo we're going to also talk to that accountant again maybe we'll bring him on this podcast too to talk a little bit about his experience or why that reason, but it seemed pretty straightforward that we should probably go with the Tokyo business address. Yeah. Okay, Joey, whoa, what a crazy couple weeks. As we let off earlier, we're going to have an offsite, company offsite. We're a legit company, Joey. We're legit. We uh, are having an offsite. That's right. I mentioned yep. it at the start. First week, Feb. First week, Santa Feb. Cruz. Yeah. If any anyone here is in the Bay Area, California, or Santa Cruz, and wants to talk Japanese real estate, I think, Joey, I'm going to volunteer a day of our offsite to grab some beers. Come on down to Santa Cruz, come surf, come grab a beer at Humble Sea. We'll organize something and we'd love to see anyone if there is actually anyone listening in Santa Cruz. Or Nova Scotia too. Seems to be a pretty popular area for Japanese real estate enthusiasts. Yeah, bring the Tim Horton cups, bring the root sweatpants. It seems like I've been inundated with only Canadian people recently, which is good. Everyone's so nice. So, all right. Any last words, Joey? Um, let's see. Yeah, pretty good first month, I would say. First month of entre- entrepreneurship, pretty pretty packed, I would say. Mm-hmm. Working mm-hmm. harder than I was working at uh, my last job, for sure. Longer, longer <laughs> days. <laughs> feels like a real job at this point. It does feel like a real job. And again, yeah. it's good, though. It feels different working for yourself than when you're working for a company. Got to get lean startup, Joey reading it getting some good advice i think it's gonna be cool we've been making so many new mentors and, and learning so much from people and it's i think very slowly but gradually joey we're actually really un- starting to understand the the hoops and processes of japanese real estate yep okay cool man i'm excited to see you next week or two weeks from now for our off-site and let's see how this next couple of weeks go i think we've got a lot of momentum and, and things are snowballing All right, let's go. See you next week. All right. Two weeks. Boom.